0: Welcome, everybody, to the Aaron's High cab Adventure Radio programs, and we're going to have an action-packed, absolutely incredible show today. Lots of information, lots of great stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, I miss coming here. It's the longest seven days that I can, you know, think about because I got so much information. I see so much stuff going on in the world and around me that I just can't wait to get on the air and talk about some of the things. Ladies and gentlemen, social media. Is a great way to know what's going on currently with me, the uh, Aaron's Gun Shop and the radio program here. If you go to aaronsgunshop.com dot com and go to the Facebook page, check out all the videos and the comments that are being made there to keep you up to date. And like us on Facebook; it's a great way to support the program. Also on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram, same thing. I kind of put some of the same videos there. Sometimes I do different ones on Instagram as I do Facebook, so check that out. And by all means, become a subscriber to the YouTube channel. Lots of great videos, interviews, product spotlights, uh, training demos, the whole work. So it's a great way to learn a lot of things coming out of this program and the gun shop itself and the training seminars that we offer. So uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel. Let me give you an idea of what's coming up on today's show. Uh, We've got... Always the true stories of self-defense from the American Rifleman's The Armed Citizens column. We're going to learn what to do and what not to do in situations like these. Hopefully, we can learn, okay? Now, my License to Carry Attorney segment, sponsored by Cappellino-Dodd Krebs Law Firm. I'm going to have Attorney Extraordinaire Benton Ross Watson in again, and we're going to be discussing the Third Amendment. We've been doing um, a series on the amendments, the Ten Amendments, the Bill of Rights. not the Ten Amendments, but the Ten Bill of Rights there. And we're on number three. Okay, so he's going to be breaking it down for us and letting us know how why it's important and how it affects us. Okay, so it's always a good, good thing to know our Constitution and Bill of Rights. Then, the delicious Janae Goodman will take us uh, on a ride of good eating and talk to us about spring gardening tips, things you need to know to get prepared for spring planting. Okay, so we're going to spring to action when it comes time to plant stuff. This week's product spotlight brought to you by ANC Firearms and Heidenhammer is the Charter Arms Pathfinder 22 Magnum Revolver. Check out my quick video on Facebook and uh, you'll get to see how it looks and the relative size of it compared to my hand there. It's not that big of a revolver and it's a pretty nice, solidly well-made firearm. So check it out. Give ANC Firearms a call at 254-983-4417 to buy yours. Support the sponsors who support the show. My interview this week will be with, once again, Bill Whitmire, the chair of the Republican Party here in Milan County. I've got him back because there's just so much going on and we need to discuss it. And it's a political world, so we're going to be discussing some things when it comes to politics. So stay tuned, strap yourselves in, crank up the volume, tell everybody you know to listen. And after this quick short break, we'll be back with True Stories of Self-Defense. See you on the other side.
1: (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back
0: to the show. I wear my sunglasses all the time. I think I told you that last week. But um, I have sensitive eyes, okay? So I wear my sunglasses. Welcome to the uh, Aaron's High Cap Venture Radio Program. We're talking about true stories of self-defense coming out of the American Rifleman's The Armed Citizens column. I got four stories here plus a bonus one. And this is coming from the 1982 magazine of the American Rifleman. I, I like like to read that because sometimes there's it's written differently. You know, it's not like if you were to read stories today, the way they write them, it, it fits the PC crowd or whatever. But back then, they just said it how it was. So we're going to start here with story number one. A quartet of young thugs, thugs had knocked a 74 year old woman to the pavement and were laughingly rifling her purse when Eugene Guerrero of Buffalo, New York, and his family drove by. Guerrero used his licensed pistol to drive the criminal use away while his son flagged down a police car. Guerrero then helped officers pursue and capture the attackers. The thing that hits me on this, well, there's two things, obviously. you young punks knocking down a seventy four year old woman, you should have the uh, you should, you should be tarred and feathered, okay? But then Guerrero pursued with the police to capture the attackers. If you try to do that now, <laughs> forget it, man. I think law enforcement would be tackling you down just to stay away from them. But back then it's like you could support them, help him. hey, If anybody's out there, law enforcement listening, give us a call. Tell us if you like uh, the support of a licensed to carry individual to come and help you um, chase down and help capture a running criminal. When a pair of youthful armed robbers hit a convenience store in tiny Charlotte, California, the residents formed a posse and gave chase. They called ahead of another nearby town, Swain's Flat, and asked for help. The Swain's flat citizens called another town, Bridgeville, and alerted Loretta Scott and Gloria Faylor. Scott and Faylor raised a posse, which waited at their end of the Bridgeville Bridge. When the robber's getaway car was halfway across the span, the Bridgeville citizens blocked their end with cars and trucks. Meanwhile, the pursuing Charlotte contingent blocked the other end. Several citizens armed themselves, but no gunfire was needed. Sheriff deputies appeared, and arrested the stranded criminals. That is so freaking awesome. That is an awesome story. That is working together as a team that's being prepared, that's having it down before it happens so when it does happen, you just move like clockwork. Fantastic. I got goose pimples reading that story. Awesome. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have Attorney Extraordinaire Benton Ross Watson we'll be talking the Third Amendment and uh, the breakdown of it and what it means. See you on the other side. All right, here we are. We're on week three of our series of breaking down the uh, Bill of Rights. We're on the Third Amendment. I'm going to first, once again, read the preamble. The Constitution was ratified, and then after the ratification, they came up with this. They wanted to make sure there was no confusion. The preamble to the Bill of Rights. Congress of the United States begun and held in the city of New York on Wednesday, the 4th of March, 1789. The conventions of a number of the states having at the time of their adopting the Constitution expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers, that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added. And as extending the ground of public confidence in the government will best ensure the beneficent ends of its institution. And here's the Third Amendment and how it reads no soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner nor in time of war but in a manner to be prescribed by law take it away Ross
1: so the third amendment is not ambiguous in my opinion a lot a whole lot like all these other amendments or that you don't think they or like people have argued them to be Okay, like the militia this, the militia that, the people, the citizens. I mean, here, it's it's pretty clear that no soldier shall be able to be quartered in your house. I want to make a
0: comment to what you just said there. Because you and Rick coming on this show for as long as you did, I look at any law that looks black and white and I say, no, every black and white (laughs) law there is, there's a shade of gray. So it's going to be the same with the Third Amendment, I'll bet you. (laughs) Dang, you're already going to set me up for
1: ruination here. (laughs) But no, the the Third Amendment is one of the least controversial. It is one of the least litigated. Okay, I think the EA calls it the runt piglet of the Constitution, and I disagree with that quote. Okay, it's just that I think this. There's no doubt about what this amendment protects. That that's why it's not litigated, and. We're going to see that over time, I think today, the whole purpose behind what the Third Amendment stood for is threatened because of a standing military. And I'm going to explain that here in a second. But originally it was introduced by James Madison. We were talking about uh, it was the quartering of soldiers was in response to the quartering acts. If you remember in the Seven Years War, otherwise known as the French and Indian War, uh, British troops and and uh wanted to use surveillance wanted to use barracks wanted to use uh positions strategic choke points uh within that war and so they would take over houses and buildings there was actually litigation with new york and pennsylvania over several city buildings that they took over and in in a way to position themselves within that war And during the time that they were there for that war I think they kind of noticed oh hey the the colonies aren't they're kind of they're kind of self-independent they don't really they don't really need Britain anymore and so they kind of figured out hey you better kind of keep these acts in play uh, so that we can stay here and watch what's going on in the colonies and even after the war ended there they, they were still there then we had we talked about the stamp tax that they had we started taxing people well the barracks and the quartering acts that allowed the soldiers to come in and take these houses were another way of and and to be to be to be fair in 1765 the soldiers weren't allowed actually under the law the quartering acts to actually take houses in the 1765 act but they took everything that they could as close as they could to that it was for your barn your garage your okay and to that effect right they were making you pay their their boarding fees and in other words this was another tax this was another tax that we didn't have representation when it got passed
0: does quartered mean anything more than just we're gonna get to that okay
1: and and so as we go on as we go on uh, then we have the Boston Massacre. Then we have the Boston Tea Party. And we have these conventions going up everywhere saying we've we got to revolutionize. We've got to do this. And then they pass another another quartering act that says you can actually live in private homes. There were private homes actually taken over. There is some evidence. People say it didn't happen, but there's evidence that it, that it happened uh, enough to be uh, very oppressive. And, and Patrick Henry said this is one of our chief complaints. This was one of our primary reasons for cutting ties with the motherland and it, here we have them being able to be accommodated and stationed in any private house so that they may tyrannize oppress and crush us and so it was part of the declaration of independence as one of the grievances right against liberty okay and was really was really just a major reason was one of the major reasons why we put so it so it was not it was not just taxation it was an invasion of privacy in the home. And so, the, yes, there has not been many cases litigated on the Third Amendment in its entire, you know, history. But, and, and cause that's because everybody agreed with it, first of all. And, and really, it probably was unnecessary to pass this. This was, this was one of those that was an obvious kind of thing.
0: But, no, I think it's absolutely vital because if it wasn't there, it would happen and you have um, people contesting it and then there would be problems, and it would sprout anger and bloodshed sooner or later. Because if it doesn't say you can't, you know they're gonna. Because let me tell you why I was just thinking. Well,
1: I'm t- talking about from from the founders' point of view at that time. They probably it was there was other things that probably could have been added. If this could have been added, you know. And, I
0: drive through Temple all the time, right? And I'm looking at all these apartment complexes and I'm saying to myself, if there ever was troops, you people living in those apartment complex, guess what? That just became military barracks. <laughs> okay, I'm just looking at all that. So if that's not there in place, they're out in the street. Just my thought.
1: I mean, and you you have the military background to back that up. But I, I can tell you that from other amendments and things like this, what I was trying to point, what I was trying to make is that, that sting of... British, it's insulting, man, to have somebody come in and tell you they're going to take over your property. Mm-hmm. It It is a sting to your... It's dangerous. To, to your pride, to everybody's pride to do that. And this that still was... was They were feeling that when they made the Constitution and, and, and when it all even passed and got ratified in 1791. They were still feeling the effects of having to put up with that. And so... I'm just trying to say that the Third Amendment is was a way for them to assure us that we had privacy within our relationships, within our home. We had we had liberty, and that's really what this amendment is important for today. There's been uh, Griswold versus Connecticut, along with a bunch of other Supreme Court cases that have, while it doesn't relate to the Third Amendment, it does relate to what we call penumbras.
0: Oh. My, that's a dollar word. Please break it down to a 50-cent word. Penumbras, if you, if, you have,
1: <laughs> if you notice a shadow on the ground, you have the dark part of the shadow, the true part of the shadow. Mm-hmm. And then on the outskirts of the shadow, there's sort of this hazy, what? just on the outline, just on the outside. Well, that's what I'm saying about your black and white laws turning gray, right? Right. Okay. Well, well, if, if, you, do have, if you have black and white law, okay, and, and the First Amendment truly only covered speech then how do we say that it covered conduct?
0: Pause, as I think. Okay, keep going.
1: So there must have been rights that were implied by design. In other words, they were encompassed by the term speech, right, but aren't specifically set out in the Constitution. Gotcha, okay. And so if we have things that are implied in the very purpose of the amendments themselves the amendments protect those rights
0: what's that word again penumbras that's a good word my brother lance would like that word
1: and so and so they are they are rights implied by design and these rights protect the sanctity of a man's house they protect his relationships they protect his right and to pursue uh life liberty and happiness Okay, They protect his right to raise his kids, to choose which religion he wants. We have the freedom of religion, but do we have the freedom to educate our kids in the type of religion that we believe in? All of these have been Supreme Court cases, and all these have come up, and the Supreme Court has had to decide whether or not the Constitution includes these rights implied by design. (laughs) And every time one of these implied by design cases comes up, the 3rd amendment is is quoted as saying we understood that there was sanctity and privacy of a man's home. It is the 3rd amendment that is makes that point obvious. We don't want soldiers right quartering in the homes because there's so many private things that go on there. The it did not just protect quartering or taxation, it protected right the sanctity of a man's home. And it along with the 4th and 5th amendment those, 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 those work, those three work side by side, really. Okay. And it, it was really important in, in to the, to that aspect, but there's been a couple of, a few cases since then. And, um, let me see here.
0: I'll tell you, Ross, it amazes me how you get through law school in four years, four years, right? Cause you could do this, a four year study. I mean, the Constitution could be just a four-year study, and I know you got to do that in your law and your schooling. No, nah, it
1: would take more than four years. It's amazing, man. It's so, just, I mean,
0: but, I'm, I'm but, really, I'm really impressed by. I mean, many attorneys they can't become barred unless they they know their stuff. It's a lot of stuff to know, man. So I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed.
1: Well, um, don't be. You know, I'm just a. I'm just a monkey in a, in a spacesuit, man. <laughs> uh and, and and so in 1979 though we had we had one good case, we had one good case on the Third Amendment, and well I, I say it's a good case. I mean we had one case that was actually taken serious by the by the courts, and actually made it to the appellate level, and that was Ingblom versus Carey. And what had happened is that there were several prison workers that had went on strike, and they were living in prison housing, and they were tenants right under some leases based on their employment with the prison and when they went on strike the prison system virtually evicted them without a whole lot of process involved and brought in the national guard and let the national guard live in their facilities while the national guard took over the prison and the striking prison guards raised a third amendment objection and essentially said in this case was important because it shows you what quartering means and and how that can be applied and the term owner under the fourth amendment they used these interpretations that the third amendment included more than simply quartering soldiers in houses right it, in in what was a house and what was an owner an owner can be a tenant So, it includes, it encompasses the same sort of rights that the Fourth Amendment encompasses and the Fifth Amendment encompasses, but we're talking about the Fourth Amendment for purposes of property. We're not solely defined by, right, houses and owners in that property context. We're talking about overall, right, it includes rights that are meant to be protected by property, you know, the Fourth Amendment type type issue. So, the National Guard troops that counted as soldiers and the Third Amendment was deemed to be incorporated. Well, remember we talked about the 14th Amendment incorporated the states, incorporated the, the Bill of Rights to the states? Yes. Okay. I don't mean to get off, but... It, it, it well, sometimes
0: you've got to make these notes to make your um, it doesn't, explanation. you you got
1: to right. understand that the, the Third Amendment, how would you even apply this on the state level? This, this looks like it's soldiers, military. This applies to the federal government. But remember, we talked about the, and it was important that it is incorporated, meaning that it, it it applies to the states because those are rights that are inherent. Those are rights that are important. Those are rights that uh, it, it protect private liberty because after the Civil War, the 14th Amendment made the Bill of Rights be applicable to the states so that the states would have to comply right. and not treat the, the freedmen way much differently than other other folks and so that's when we started applying the Bill of Rights actually to the states on the state level and so this is important because this shows that the Third Amendment was important to protect individual liberty in the home
0: ladies and gentlemen this is a very uh, good conversation we're having here I haven't mentioned the phone number if you want to become part of it ask a question 254-697-6633 give us a call okay good
1: and there's been a bunch of, of cases come up that are frivolous almost and try to use the third amendment to to help their ground there's been i think uh reservists
0: tried to get out of marching in a parade
1: this, this by the way on on ingblum versus Kerry, they ended up losing when it went back
0: how did the, explain that one about the marching the parade how does that even come into play with this
1: it doesn't in my opinion it was a frivolous kind of kind of argument and another guy Another guy argued against the third amendment for a federal rent control law to be struck down. He said that it was a he said there's a quote from the petition "The incubator and hatchery of swarms of bureaucrats to be quartered as the storm troopers upon the people in violation of amendment third amendment to the united states Constitution. <laughs> I don't disagree with you man. <laughs> I don't disagree with you, When the court said this is not this is when you talk he may have had a good case when you talk crazy like that. Right, on the, to federal judges, they're going to dismiss your case. Yeah, and so that's what
0: you got to talk the language, man. And
1: so this is what that that case got thrown out. But
0: <laughs> sitting with, in a dark closet too long.
1: The here's the concerning part to me, and this is the point that I wanted to make today, if I make nothing else, which is that we had a, a fit 2015 case, Mitchell versus City of Henderson, and what happened there is swat task forces were trying to do surveillance on a drug dealing house and in the course of doing that over a a week's time ended up commandeering two or three houses uh and they had no warrant to do so they had no order they had no authority they had nothing whatsoever they asked the people can we come in and do it the people told them no So, then they waited about 12 to 24 hours and went back and just took it over anyway. And they pulled these people out of their houses. They put them in handcuffs. They shot them with pepper spray. They shot their dogs. They shot uh, things that, whatever got in their way, they drug a, a very elderly lady well across, you know, blocks Right from her home to the command center so that she couldn't leave they arrested these people and charged them with obstructing justice obstructing a police officer absurd absolutely absurd you say well police need to do okay if they needed it they could have got a warrant but they were denied the warrant
0: can I pause you there because I mean you, when you brought up the warrant thing I wanted to show you this before but I forgot and I wanted to explain why sometimes you don't get you get a no- knock warrant that type of deal. I'm looking at one person killed in shootout with Colleen um, Police Department here. And it says, one man was killed in an officer involved shooting early Wednesday, blah, blah, blah. Um, Kimball said in a news conference that officers had applied for a no-knock warrant because the suspect identified as James Scott Reed, 40, had a violent history and was known to be armed when he was selling narcotics. So that was an example of why you don't want to knock and say, hey, it's the police because he might arm himself and start shooting back, right?
1: Yeah, uh, yes.
0: Okay, I just wanted, I wanted to bring that up before. Because we
1: had talked about the no-knock yes, warrants right. before. But this is this is somebody, they're taking over a house for somebody who's done nothing wrong.
0: Yeah, I want to make that contrast.
1: And they're, they're using it. I realize that they have a need to do a in criminal investigation, but if you have that need, then you need to get an order from a, a judge. You you don't need to just go in and start taking over houses. Right. That was the whole that's the whole point. And the court did not throw this case out. Okay? It did not throw this case out, but it did dismiss the Third Amendment claim. And it said because state police are not soldiers. Here is my Go to New York. Here is my complaint with that judge, okay? And not that judges care <laughs> but about my complaints. But anyway, that's a different story. So, so <laughs> <laughs> they're getting trained by the military. the The whole reason we have SWAT is the drug on war is a drug is the war on drugs, okay, and also the war on terrorism. And why is that? Because they're getting funding from grants from the federal government. They're applying for these grants. They actually submit how many arrests and drugs busts that they make a year, so that they continue to get this money from the feds they're they're in collaboration with the federal government on forfeitures okay the forfeiture laws have helped the state level police and officer task forces take take their job more seriously because it's more incentive right for them to go out and make more drug busts on things that are nonviolent because it allows them to submit The amount of drug busts they made a year, how many searches that they've done a year, how many activities they've done a year versus based on drugs in order to get the funding. And so if you're telling me that they're not affiliated, like they have tanks, they have tanks, they have automatic weapons, they've got as much uh, armor as any kind of...
0: And three quarters of law enforcement is prior military probably. and,
1: and, And so how can you sit here and tell me that they're not soldiers? If, if, if they're not soldiers then that's a technicality because under what the framers would have looked at as a soldier they're every bit of it and so if mm-hmm. we're looking at penumbras and we're looking at the third amendment to be a representative of what was implied by design which is to protect the privacy of homes to protect people right, from, from being bullied by government forces to stand down to civil obedience stand down to civil order and they're not honoring that by simply taking over houses without any kind of court order whatsoever but i i guess and and that's to say all that I, I did agree with the judge's position that they're already protected by the first and fourth amendments anyway so the third amendment is it was not is unnecessary so i mean i, I hopefully they get compensation for what happened in this case but this was i'm not going to say that this happens frequently okay but this was not an isolated incident by any means it it happens and it it i don't i want to say that it's common but it's certainly i don't know the definition of rare but it's it certainly comes up every once in a while you see the police officers trying to take over a house right to do surveillance and it's just nobody ever does anything because nobody thinks that these are soldiers and i completely disagree when from a from what, what was meant and if we look at what the purpose of the amendment was made for they're doing the exact same thing that British did, British soldiers did in the Seven Years' War.
0: Let me ask you something a soldier in the military is not obligated to follow um, unlawful order do you think but they are pressured. I mean, when you have a private or something, and, and legitimately it's an unlawful order, but they still do it in compliance because you know they're a the low-ranking individual and they're just following the lead, and they think they're doing it for a good cause. Could you apply that to a police officer who um, can say, "No, that's in violation of the Constitution. I'm not going to follow that order to to hit the."
1: I'm just house. saying that this whole time. I don't understand why why police officers
0: push the mark to do that.
1: Other than in some cases. I feel like if but, there but, was a murderer, let me finish my thought. Or,
0: I mean, it's because of their lack of knowledge of what the Constitution and the law, uh, what an awful, law lawful order would be. In so in other words, if they don't have a basis of understanding the Constitution, Bill of Rights, and they police, like,
1: police officers know the, the Constitution, in my opinion. I mean, they they know they know a lot about what they can and can't do under the Fourth. Then, I mean, they screw it up a lot. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I see that and and. The court, especially those the misquote it but but generally speaking, they know well enough to understand right what what the limits are and what's
0: it, that word again penum what is it penumbrous. maybe they're I can understand them making a decision in the gray area on the outside edges of that shadow, but when it's the blatantness of them being in the dark shadow of unconstitutional law, they shouldn't do it, but sometimes that does happen
1: and when you're stopping people on the side of the road what is the Okay, where are you coming from? Where are you going? What? uh, Okay, who is this? Why are you with them? Why aren't you with somebody else? Well, Well, are you you
0: obligated? The person you're not obligated to answer those questions.
1: No, but they keep you there, and then if you don't answer this, so well, we're gonna keep you here, and we're gonna do a a drug dog search and try to find, and then if we're gonna try to seize your vehicle and your money in there and everything that you had based on drugs. I mean, it's just, man, uh, this was. Give me a ticket for speeding and let me go. Like, like what, it, it just gets out of hand, and this is not. There, there was, there was, not, it was private police forces in the day of the founding, and I'm not saying that, that some of these things weren't needed, but things took off when we said we're going to do a war on drugs, and it just it has got every single year you've seen police for Why do police officers? Why do police? Why do they need tanks? No comment. <laughs> that's that's for another show. They're man. getting, they're buying Humvees. They're buying Humvees from Fort Hood. I mean, I, 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 the sheriff's department here just bought a Humvee. I just saw I just saw it over here at the Cryer Collision getting fixed. Well, up. I don't know,
0: man. There's a couple of reasons because they, they Humvee. What well, you need a Humvee for in a in a. No, see, I can buy that. I can buy a Humvee. You, you live in this county. How many country backroads are there? I, I get that. Okay. I don't even mind them having armored <laughs> APCs and all, or like that in case you get a violent situation. I got no problem with it. But don't parade it around on the street. It comes out when it's necessary. It, you don't hype it up. Remember that story you were telling me about the guy who uh, and, and, had all these different law enforcement agencies come to him and, and surround his house and invade his house? For what? Because he said something? That's ridiculous. But I believe if they've got it in their garage and it's kept up and every now and then they take it out and make sure it's working fine and they Train and an off-site that people don't get to see because they don't want to scare the populace. I got no problem with that because God forbid a day comes when you need it, you got it. Yeah, I, I but don't to mean. Par, to, uh, but to parade it around, yeah. I agree. Don't do that. Don't scare the populace.
1: I don't mean to throw a slug at Marion County here, but it was just that I just saw that one not too long ago. But it, they're not well, too think bad about here. it. Think but about but, it, but you think. know the counties that we've had, we've had newspaper clippings on that have had their tank out there. Yeah, I know. And
0: I mean. I've got hey, clips from a guy a man, saying, well, there's, uh, the civilian populace got too many guns out there. I'm like, what does that mean? What are you talking about? Thank goodness we've got guns out there. One day we're going to back you up on the side of the road. That's my attitude. If I see a cop down on the side of the road and I'm able to help, I'm helping that guy. And he should be thankful I'm there.
1: But the point is, if they're going to have these things and they're going to act like military, then they should be... Seen as military under the constitution. Okay,
0: I get that connection. I get that connection. But I just wanted to, I just want to make the comment about the Humvee here. I think it's applicable. For okay, a they, if
1: they want a Humvee, they can have it. But if they're going to act like soldiers, then the amendment should apply to them
0: as soldiers. Yeah, I get that point. I get it. Look, perfect timing to end here. I think it's a great session we did here on the Third Amendment. Next week will be the Fourth. Why don't you give a highlight of what the Fourth is, real quick? And um, oh
1: man, the Fourth it comes as everything in personal liberty, in my opinion. Just Protects the sanctity of a, of a man's home
0: and his life. I know you're very pumped up about the fourth. I know that. So that's what we're going to be talking about next week. And um, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you. Uh, benton Watson here in Cameron. If you want to email me with
1: questions, it's benton at watson dot legal. That's benton at watson dot legal. Give us a call at two five four six zero five forty one forty. That's two five four six zero five forty one forty. If you can. Cameron, if you want to stop by, 105 East Main Street, Big Milk County on the side. You can't miss it. Holler at us. We'll do an appointment in uh, Brazos Valley, Brazos, Brazos County or Harris County. And uh, if you got any questions about how to have respect for you, go to respectforyou.com or call Rick Dodd.
0: Thank you, Rick, for the long segment. Cappalino Dodd, Cred Law Firm, sponsors this long segment. And we thank them. Can't thank them enough. Remember to uh, support the sponsors, support the show. Without them... Uh, this show is not on the air. So, and if there's any businesses out there that are thinking about it, give me a call. I can give you some great concept ideas on how we can promote your business too. So, um, okay. okay, let's take us out on a break. and we come back, we'll have the delicious Janae Goodman.
2: Are you ready for the new planting season? It's time to spring into action. This week, I want to feature some tips for seasonal garden changes. What should come out? What should be going in? I'm Janae Goodman, and this is Tactical Snacking. Why bother to eat seasonally anyway? Well, most people tend to revel in the fact that we don't really need to eat or cook seasonally. I mean, why bother when the grocery store is fully stocked all year round? It's not necessary to hunt and gather nowadays, but I'll give you three reasons. Freshness, taste, and of course, cost. Foods that are featured during a certain season are at the peak of their flavor. They also tend to cost less because they're in abundance, meaning that they're more readily available. Not to mention that they're more locally sourced because companies don't have to look as far to source them. And if you're maintaining a garden, it's as fresh as your produce gets. I know gardening can be tough work, trust me, but the payout is worth it, especially after that first harvest. With the wacky climates in Texas, our planting season isn't as concrete as somewhere that actually gets seasons. But with that in mind, we are still harvesting some of our fall and winter crops. This includes Swiss chard, Mushrooms, lettuces, brassicas or dark leafy greens like broccoli, cabbage, kale, and cauliflower, snap peas, carrots, and radishes. I've actually found that radishes, beets, and peas still do really well in our climate. Late winter plants are still available to put in the ground, but you'll want to focus on crops with a very quick germination time, meaning that they sprout within 30 days or so. Examples of these crops include radishes, lettuces, and Swiss chard. Your nitrogen feeders or heavy produce items should be about ready to come out of the ground if they're not out already. I've still got a cabbage or two in the ground in my school garden and the classes have just harvested broccoli, so don't worry if you've still got a few in there. You've got a few weeks before things really start getting hot. After you've harvested your winter crops, remember to rotate and fertilize your beds. Rotation allows your soil to have a rest and ensures that it does not lose fertility. Planting the same crop repeatedly in the same spot also tends to make your crop more susceptible to illnesses. Remember those nitrogen feeders I mentioned earlier? These are crops that tend to take a lot of energy to produce, so they take a lot of nutrients out of your soil. If you want luck growing anything else in your beds, it's important to fix that nutrients back into the soil beans and peas are both great sources of nitrogen so you can plant plenty of them after harvesting your heavy feeders you can also add compost to your soil to give it a boost now is the time to plant eggplant melons peppers okra cucumber potatoes and plenty of herbs you can find a full list of items in your plant area at almanac.com and how can i forget tomatoes one of my favorite spring crops. You'll want to get tomato plants growing indoors in a warm area if you're planning the transplant. They can then be transplanted or replanted into your outdoor garden by the end of the month. If you're, planting multiple, if you're planting multiple tomato plants, you'll want to give them plenty of room, at least a foot apart. If one tomato plant is contaminated by a disease or something similar, it's easily spread to your other tomato plants if they're touching. Think of it kind of like when someone sneezes and exposes surrounding people with their germs. Right. When planting your tomatoes, be sure to place a circular cage around the crop. Tomato plants can grow up to six feet tall, and you want to make sure they have that extra support. They enjoy warm the hot weather, so you can keep your plants happy as we get through these last days of winter by wrapping their cages. Use plastic, tarps, bed sheets, frost blankets, which can be found in any garden center. Don't forget to mulch your beds this season. If you don't plan to plant any squash, that's okay. You can use hay or dried leaves. Mulching not only keeps the sun at bay during hotter months of the year, but it also helps preserve water in your beds and prevent soil erosion or shifting of your soil. Be sure that your ground cover isn't over your leaves of your plants, however. You'll want to tuck the hay under your crops and give them about an inch of room. Otherwise, you risk wilting and rotting your plants. Got any questions or comments to share with me? Don't be shy. Email me at tacticalsnacking at yahoo.com. Join me next week as we tackle food miles. What are they and how can you help minimize them? Until then, stay hungry, my friends.
0: Let's move on to our product spotlight. This segment is sponsored by ANC Firearms and Heidenhammer. And I've got an article here by um, the theamericanrifleman.org, a short article that I chapter. Actually, it's not, it's a little bit longer than normal because I found it interesting. There's a lot of information there that I wasn't aware of. And the reason I was interested is because my dad, he's gone now. He died in 2011, but he was a probation officer for over 30 years. And he carried a 38 snub-nosed charter, revol- charter arms revolver. So I've always had this attachment to charter arms for that reason. So let me read to you this article here. It's by this NRA staff, and it goes as follows. Charter Arms has been making firearms for almost 50 years. The company was founded in Connecticut by Douglas McClanahan and this is interesting, who had previously worked for Sturm Ruger and uh, High Standard in Colt. McClanahan's goal was to produce a quality handgun that was also affordable. Charter Arms, which is an American-owned and uses U.S.-made parts to produce handguns in its New England facility, has maintained that mantra since its inception. Whether or not a handgun in twenty two Magnum is suitable for personal protection is a question you must determine on your own. What it does bring to the table is controllable recoil and minimal muzzle blast, and for some shooters, that's a deciding factor. The Charter Arms Pathfinder is among the very few 22 Magnum chambered revolvers that are appropriate in size for concealed carry. Also, it would be a viable candidate for a survival backpack as well. The Pathfinder's frame is made from stainless steel and exhibits a smooth matte finish. Depressing a grooved sliding thumb button on the frame's left side allows the six-round cylinder to swing out to the left for loading and unloading. Unlike some revolvers, the Pathfinder has no side plate. The frame consists of two pieces. The grip and trigger guard are combined in one assembly, (coughs) while the action frame around the cylinder is another. The grip frame houses a coiled mainspring and slips inside of the action frame. It's held in place by screws and pins. The rubber stock panels are attached to the grip frame with a single screw and a stud at the bottom of the frame. The barrel, underlug, and front sight are a one piece of stainless steel. It's machined, button rifled, and then threaded directly into the frame. The rear sight is a long um, slot that runs the length of the frame, but at the rear, the notch is square. The sights are in snub nose revolver fashion, small, but they are effective. The revolver was zeroed at seven yards right out of the box. The Pathfinder incorporates a hammer block. Now this is I found this interesting. Uh, i I know what a hammer block is, but the way they describe it it makes it clear. The Pathfinder incorporates a hammer block safety system that was patented by the company in 19 in the 1960s. This system works well because the hammer has an extension at the top that rests against the frame when the hammer is forward. This prevents the hammer from hitting the firing pin. When the trigger is pulled, however, a plate rises up over the firing pin and when, the impacted, and when impacted by the hammer, forces the firing pin forward. So that's good in case you drop your weapon when the hammer's down. It's not going to go off. As we envisioned the revolver primarily employed for personal defense, we conducted accuracy testing at seven yards. Additionally, all the ammunition used in the Pathfinder during evaluation was purpose-built for personal protection, with whose loads being Hornady's Critical Defense, Spears Gold Dot, and Winchester's PDX-1. Of those, the Spears 40 grain gold dot proved to be the most accurate, averaging .78 inches for five consecutive fire shot groups. The other lows, however, blah, 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 blah. The reason I say that is it all depends on who's shooting the gun. You could have somebody who can put them in the same hole, okay? Aside from accuracy testing, we also ran the revolver through defensive types drills at distances from 3 to 15 yards. The 10 by 16-inch torso-shaped target has a 4-inch swinging head plate and a a 3.5 by 4.5-inch bullseye. Between 7 and 10 yards, scoring hit proved simple and even at 25 yards. In all, we fired more than 300 rounds to the Pathfinder and there were no malfunctions. We found the Pathfinder to have ample accuracy for close-range defense work and it appeared that the revolver is plenty reliable. It would serve the purpose of a trail gun quite well in most locations and for personal defense practitioners, backpackers, and campers. It offers lightweight peace of mind. So there you go. It's a really nice gun. And the reason I wanted to touch on this particular gun was I was speaking to an a elderly woman who was a little bit frail in the hands. And I told her, you don't need a large caliber. You get something, you get a revolver that's always going to work when you pull the trigger. Maybe you put some rat shot in it. It's not going to give you very much of a kick, but yet it's going to pepper whoever's trying to assault you. And I'll tell you what. I'm not too small in size, and if somebody's shooting six rounds of birdshot at me, I'm going to just change my mind and walk away, okay, probably run away, run away. So it's a a pretty decent gun for somebody who can't handle the recoil and is not able to handle malfunctions when it comes to an automatic pistol. So there you go, ANC Firearms in Heidenhammer, and we're going to come back next week with another great show. And so please support the sponsors, support the program. Until we see you next week, keep your powder dry and God bless.